every language learner is a memory expert at the end of the day, and they use memory techniques. It's just a matter of which ones do they use and how well do they use them. This is Anthony Metivier from MagneticMaryMethod.com, and you are listening to my Fluent Podcast. Welcome back to my Fluent Podcast. I am Daniel. And this time we have Anthony Metivier as a guest. He is a memory trainer, best-selling author and founder of the Magnetic Memory Method. We talk about various topics. For example, we talk about the Magnetic Memory Method podcast, how he did not struggle when he was learning German. We talk about what it means to be fluent in a language. Anthony gave a TED talk recently then about being overwhelmed by all the materials and it's not him who is overwhelmed it's actually me <laughs> an important topic is the right mindset plus acknowledging your fortune i want to just quickly read out loud a passage from anthony's new book called the victorious mind as you'll also find throughout the book i am a proponent of using a variety of tools and techniques to enhance well-being why use only an allen wrench when you have a whole toolbox at your disposal the benefits compound when you use a range of the fantastic mental gizmos you'll discover in this book to work on one project yourself from different angles including the mental physical and even spiritual I got inspired a great deal by this passage and even though the book is not about language learning it's actually about how to master memory meditation and mental well-being but I strongly believe that if we are balanced if we take care of ourselves and if we use all the tools that are available to us then we are going to learn even better so without any further ado let's dive directly to the interview my name is anthony uh, metivier and thanks for having me i run magneticmemorymethod.com and my projects are, are many i mean i did a phd years ago and i haven't stopped being a scholar or a researcher i don't teach at university anymore i did for a while but uh now i just have built sort of my own little university made out of uh memory techniques and related topics and uh yeah you mentioned the victorious mind and read one of the most important passages and now i'm working on another book and i just work on helping the people who go through my website and through the courses that i've made for memory training and it's a very wonderful and blissful thing to do yeah and you have an in incredibly big catalog of podcast episodes i think there there are more than 300 if i am not mistaken well it changes because we sometimes remove episodes but yeah it's floating around the 300 mark i can also mention here that you had a lot of different language experts on your podcast as well for example luca lampariello timothy moser or Chris Broholm and I think Chris Broholm has appeared several times I think No I don't I don't think Chris has ever been on the show I I've been on his show but I don't think he's been on mine Oh I he see be, though Okay 
I don't remember if he's been on mine, but I, I think my memory is good enough that I would remember if he had been on the Magnetic Memory Method podcast. Okay, then I guess that I was listening on Chris' podcast where you appeared. <laughs> but he's a great yeah. guy. We want to get him on the podcast soon. You even had an episode called Five Ultra Fun Ways to Super Boost Your Fluency. And mm. in that context, I wanted to, to ask you, what does it mean to you to be fluent? Oh, it's very simple. It's being able to complete goals and to be able to communicate what you mean and have it understood and then understand what people are saying. Now, notice that understand what people are saying doesn't mean necessarily every single word in every single sentence. So not everybody will agree with my definition of fluency, but in my opinion, it's just that simple. Can you say what you want to say and be understood? And can you understand basically what people are saying to you? And I think that's an important thing because we don't even know our mother tongue fluently. You know, there's lots of things people say to me. I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, I have to ask <laughs> for clarification, right? And then I'll say things to them and they have no idea what I'm talking about, even though we've been native speakers since birth. So they have to ask me for clarification. So in other words, fluency is being able to accomplish missions. And if you get thwarted or if you quote unquote fail to accomplish the mission of being understood and understanding, then you just ask questions. And if you can ask questions and get clarification and find a way to understand and be understood, then as far as I'm concerned, you have achieved fluency. Yeah, that makes com completely sense to me. It, it's also my definition of fluency. Okay, so I'm not alone. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself fluent in German? I know that you were living in Germany. Yeah, I think it's just the wrong question. I think it's just a, it's a total wrong direction to travel. I can speak German very well. I mean, I talked to a school here in Brisbane where I live completely in German. I explained to them a research project that I want to do and if they could help me and so forth. And I asked the person, is my German okay? I said, I don't speak it very often anymore, but you know, and she was like, super, you know, like your German <laughs> is just fine. You could say I'm fluent in German, but I just think that's just ignoring what we just said. Yeah. The, the point is, is I executed a mission. She understood what I was saying. I understood all her clarifying questions. And I'll bet you any money in this school is called Dirty Des, incidentally. And um, I'll bet you any money that I did not have proper grammar a lot of the time. But the reality is, You don't need, like grammar is a false goal. I was understood. And so if I had a dare when I should have had a das or whatever grammatical, morphological manifestation was meant to be there, it's irrelevant. And yes, I lived in Germany and I used to ask people all the time and I stopped asking them, what is the grammar here? And they would say, you know what? They'd say, kind of anum, which means no idea. And so when native speakers have no idea and they, you just speak with them and you're understood and they understand you, then there's no problem. The only time that it ever pays to be like super sharp, and even then it doesn't necessarily always pay, would be like in a tax office or some government thing where, you know, they're, they're going to be super impressed, you know, but even then I've just, you know, spoken my best know that I made mistakes, but I was understood 
they understood me and the mission was accomplished. Yeah. And you teach a lot about memory palaces and mnemonics and other memorization techniques. So I assume that you used these techniques as well to improve in German. Oh, yeah. I never would have learned German if I hadn't used these memory techniques. It's just um, <laughs> not possible. I don't know how anybody uh, achieves any level of fluency without some kind of memory technique strategy. Yeah. To use that word fluency that I didn't want to use. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm contradicting myself. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine anybody reaching any level of proficiency. Maybe that's a, a better word without some sort of dedicated, detailed memory strategy. It doesn't have to be the memory palace, but every language learner is a memory expert at the end of the day, and they use memory techniques. It's just a matter of which ones do they use and how well do they use them. But I love the memory palace. I think it's the best technique uh, for many people. And it obviously is. It's lasted for thousands of years. And uh, if you devote yourself to it, it will reward you in many, many ways, even if you don't use it every single day or for every single purpose. Okay. And have you ever contemplated to make a podcast in German or in another language than English? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think of it often, but I haven't gotten there yet. It's something that I do hope to do at some point, though. And do you remember when you recorded your very first episode of the Magnetic Memory Method podcast? How did you as feel? Matter. And can you remember <laughs> it? As a matter of fact, I do. I, I remember it very well. Um, I felt just fine. And were you, were you happy about the result or the product in the end? And yeah, I mean, I'm amazed uh, that it's been so popular uh, over the years. I know, I know that the audio quality of the early episodes are not that great. I was in echoey rooms and didn't really know much about capturing sound. And maybe still, I don't know as much as I could. But I've always been very happy. And it seems that lots of people are also happy, judging by all the reviews and whatnot. And in your opinion, did you become a better speaker over the years? Uh, you know, maybe I have. I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to think about whether I've become a better speaker or not. I guess that's ultimately a question for the audience uh, <laughs> to decide. But yeah, I would really have to put some thought into whether I've improved as being a speaker or not. What I can say is I gave a TEDx talk recently and that challenged me to speak in a much different way because on the podcast, you can talk for hours if you want, but there I only had a very limited amount of time. I would not want to do that every week on my podcast, but in some ways it had part of the success of that medium is that it's short, it's scripted, it's you know got a particular single outcome for the person listening to the talk and Yeah, it's just an interesting thing to think through. You know, if I wanted to improve the podcast and I was deliberately trying to do it, then I might think of how could every single episode be a, a TED Talk, that sort of thing. But I don't think I would have that much fun doing it that way. But that would be a way to improve it for sure. You also had a lot of guests in your podcast. I think, did you become a, a better interviewer? Or is it something that you need to, to practice to get better or did you not put a lot of thought into 
that question? I'm not the person to ask whether I've become a better interviewer or not. Really, that's for the guests to answer and that's for okay. the audience to answer. I really don't know whether I've become better at it or not. What I can tell you, though, is that I have been more selective in who that I choose to have as a guest, you know, because it's very, very important that you, you know, aren't floundering for some kind of answer or some kind of question, but that you already can hit the ground running with the guest because you understand what they're doing, like you're doing. You obviously have uh, spent some time sort of researching this area, you know, my show and so forth. So I think if I've gotten better, it's just simply because I, I pick my battles, so to speak. I only am interviewing people that I feel like I can have a great conversation with, as opposed to interviewing for business reasons, you know, oh, I got to have that guest because that's trending or whatever. I just, I don't do any of that sort of stuff. And I think that there's no way to get better if that's the game you're going to play, or at least I wouldn't because I wouldn't find that joyful. I wouldn't find that fun. Yeah, I understand what you mean. And in my case, for example, yeah, when it comes to to learning English, I I pick different interviewees that I can then talk about things that I love. And then it's way easier for me to express myself and Mm. I can improve my, my English or other languages because for me it is crucial to feel at home to feel comfortable and when i am feeling comfortable then i don't have a lot of pressure and i can improve and i I can speak better how do you prepare before recording is there some training involved or do you just hit the record button and you talk about the topic you want to cover. How does the process look like? <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the guest. So it depends on the guest and what we're talking about. But one thing I've noticed over the years is that I get a lot of thank yous from book authors because I actually read the books that they have uh, written. And often they do interviews with people who are just asking standard stock questions. They haven't actually read the book. They don't even know what's what it's about, etc. So, yeah, if I'm interviewing somebody about their book, then I'm going to read their book. I'm going to spend that time or uh, whatever the case may be. I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to do it because I want to actually get their take on something that I've read. If, if I'm not going to go through their courses or go through their books yeah. or whatever the case may be, there's no point in having a discussion. I've got a whole series of excuses, uh, Daniel. <laughs> How is Luke, one of the most famous podcasters, teaching English to millions of learners doing when it comes to learning a language? You know, my French isn't improving, but my excuses are, are getting better every day. Learn more about it and listen to my fluent podcast. I'm Daniel, learn from and with a language learner. You'll find the interview on episode 28. I'm, I'm fluent in excuses uh, in terms of my French. For example, you talk a lot about meditation as well. So, Mm. for example, one of my thoughts was that maybe I could meditate also to become a better podcaster because the problem or the issue is when I am nervous, I begin to stutter and I can't think clear enough, you know. And so maybe meditation would be some sort of tool a tool which could 
help me out with that to well i think it would definitely help you out but whether or not it would help you in a direct way would be something you'd have to experiment with and see one one way that it can definitely help you is you just mentally note oh yeah i'm i'm stuttering or i'm feeling nervous or uh, whatever and then you just let it go <laughs> because it's already gone right that's where meditation is really really good let's talk about digital amnesia I think mm. this is a term which you created. Is that right? No. no? Uh, it comes from German, uh, digital dement, I think they call it. Okay. I'm not sure if that's the exact German term, but that's where I first heard it in Germany. And it is so th their, their um, dementia and digital dementia is a very big concern. And there's been a lot of research done. So unfortunately, it doesn't all get translated into English. But some of the best science, as we all know, is in languages and cultures and countries that just don't get spread around because of the costs of translation and so forth. And digital amnesia was also a term used in English by Kaspersky. And they did a, a report about the problem. And Kaspersky, of course, is a big software company. And for some reason, they removed their research, but I kept a PDF of it. So I have it still. And I imagine it's a bit controversial because it seems that commercial companies would not be able to do some of the things that they're doing if they are in acknowledgement of this problem. But I, I don't think that we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't have to throw away all technology just because this is a is a problem. There's ways to manage and deal with it. Yeah, and it is kind of difficult sometimes because I get over overwhelmed by all the materials or all the resources out there. And I think a lot of learners struggle with that as well, as it is difficult sometimes to get focused on one thing because you have so many opportunities that, yeah, it has become a challenge to stay focused and, and to just work on one thing. This is the problem, though. That challenge has nothing to do with digital technology. That challenge has always been there. You mm -hmm. walk into a library, it's got thousands of books. If you didn't have digital technology, there are going to be people who are going to find that overwhelming. The question is, why do they find it overwhelming? It's often very simple. They don't have proper goals. They don't pay attention to their diet, they don't pay attention to their sleep, and they're not trained how to deal with books. They also don't have proper metrics for dealing with information. So for example, this is where accelerated learning techniques come in very, very handy because you're taught how to think about information so that you can never be overwhelmed if you, if you have these tools. And so when we think about the technology, What is unique and different about it is that it's in our pocket and it's something that we see people all around us behaving with it in particular ways. They're allowing themselves to be distracted and so forth. But those things, they are again, they're not really new. There were phones that could distract you 
you know, and librarians had their phones where? In the middle of the library? No, in an office with a closed door and the sound was blocked so that not everybody in the library was disturbed by it. So we can just also turn off our phones, put them in different rooms, etc. So I, I don't, even though there is, the, the real problem with digital dementia has to do with something called dual path readership. And it's the fact that people are scrolling and they're scanning and they're, they're skimming in a way that the technology enables and they're not really reading. And they're doing it in an environment that is competing for their attention and draining some part of their attention. But overwhelm and feeling overwhelmed, that is simple to solve. That's called having goals. It's making sure your blood sugar levels are well modulated and regulated through sleep and diet and exercise. We know that if you exercise before you sit down to learn, you're going to be much more concentrated and focused. So at the end of the day, when we talk about digital dementia, we are talking primarily just about dementia. Like people just forget to take care of themselves. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with any technology. Or it has very little to do with it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and what were you struggling the most when you were learning German? Oh, I didn't really experience a struggle with it. You know, this is the, I, I, I received an email from somebody today because I asked people when they joined my email list, I said, you know, what is, what's your biggest struggle? And he said something that I've only seen once in my entire career of doing this eight years full time. He said, I don't surrender to struggle <laughs> and I'm like that too. And so my personal story is I, I just, I didn't struggle with it. You know, it's there, this is, this is a choice. So many people just aren't, they're not taught mental strength, which is that, yes, this is complicated. Yes, there mm -hmm. are a lot of things to do here, but instead of whimpering in a corner and humming and hawing about it, what are we going to do? Well, there's strategies. So what are those strategies? And then you learn them and then you apply them. Now, you know, I'm also very aware that when I say that, I'm just a lucky person. You know, I had a very stubborn father. If he was going to get something done, he figured out how to do it. So I, again, this comes back to observing the behaviors of others. I was able to observe a problem solver and that gave me a certain advantage. However, when we think of the internet and what's so great about it, everybody can choose, almost everybody, to go and observe people who are good at stuff, right? And then you just yeah. do what successful people do. So Yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly frustrated with many things because there's always a model. And if somebody else can do it, that means I can do it too. It's just am I going to focus on it and so forth. So I, frustration is a choice. I really like your positive thinking there. And so finally, what you're saying it's a, a question of your mindset. Well, is it's mindset, but it's mindset plus acknowledging your fortune that you have that mindset. So Anybody listening to this now, imagine the world as a giant pinball machine and somehow your balls are floating. You're, you're a ball in a pinball machine and now you've just bumped up against my ball. And, you know, that's a, that's a fortunate thing if you resonate with it. Maybe you're having a bad day and you're like, this guy's a, this guy's a total jerk, right? Uh, that can happen. Or maybe you're having a really good day and you're like, yeah, I got to go and find out more about this stuff. But nonetheless, if you can just develop a simple habit of being grateful for everything that happens, right or wrong, good or bad, and acknowledge that you're just lucky to be on the planet in the first place, 
everything's going to change. It's not, a, it's not even about positive thinking. It's just about understanding math. It's understanding chance and luck and how fortunate you are because everything that is good in your life, it's not necessarily possible for it to be better, but it sure as hell could be a lot worse, right? And so many people are focused on what is bad instead of understanding what could be worse about it, right? Mm, yeah. And um, so, you know, I think I, I, my whole point is, is that I've always just been fortunate enough to be stubborn. And I have become over years of practice with meditation, aware of just how lucky I am and how lucky most of us are. And that changes everything. And that's where the meditation thing comes in. So if you're going to use meditation to become a better podcaster or a better language learning speaker, really the name of the game there is not to somehow be better, quote unquote, better. Mm. There is no better. This moment is the best. There is no better coming because this is the best. This is the, uh, in, it's ne plus ultra, I think, <laughs> is, <laughs> is a term for this. It is the best it's ever going to be. So I always encourage people, stop looking for better. Start looking for now because this is it. And it is so incredible and you are so gifted to be part of it. It would be so much easier for the universe to not have produced you, <laughs> you know, but it did. And so here you are. And all this time spent on frustration and all that, well, that maybe that's just part of the universe too. But I'm grateful for, for those things as well because they're just there. They're just part of the present. They're not going away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like your answer. It's just fantastic. <laughs> that is really great. Maybe you could say a few words about your future book, which you mentioned in the beginning. Well, it's being written now, and I don't always know what my books are going to be about when I'm writing them, but it's about what we were talking about. It's like, why are people constantly dissatisfied? There must be a reason. And there must be a reason why that dissatisfaction exists. So if you, if you take evolution and evolutionary science, it would have gotten rid of dissatisfaction if it didn't serve a purpose, right? So what is the purpose of dissatisfaction? And how do you train yourself to be satisfied with dissatisfaction? And that's pretty much what the new book is about. Okay. Uh, to see why evolution has included dissatisfaction in its model so to speak. And I don't, you know, pretend that my little three pound brain is going to figure it all out, but at the same time, it's already figured out to my satisfaction and to the satisfaction of every Zen master, you know, this is what Zen is all about. So it's almost like a book about Zen because okay. Zen, yeah. Zen is a, a guide to being satisfied with dissatisfaction. And it has been for many, many thousands of years. Okay. So thank you very much for your time and your excellent words. Thank you. Well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it, Daniel. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview. So stop looking for better. Start looking for now, because this is it. This is so great. I am trying to overthink my mindset, because actually sometimes I, I struggle. Sometimes I, I have self-doubts. And even though this interview was not at all what I was going for, because I had a completely other plan in mind. 
I wanted to go another direction and uh, talk about his struggles, for example. But he had no struggles. <laughs> but nevertheless, the answers were so great, guys. And I'm quite sure you could learn something from it. So that's it for today. I am Daniel, your host. You can reach out to me by sending me an email. The address is myfluentpodcast at gmail.com. But I have also an Instagram and a TikTok account and a Facebook account as well. And for the hardcore fans here, I will integrate right now the very first intro I've recorded, but I decided to not use it as an intro. But for those who are curious, can have a listen to it. Oh, and by the way, the links to Anthony's YouTube channel and podcast is in my show notes. Have a good day. Bye. The interview you are about to listen to with Anthony Mativia was already recorded back a month or so, even more. And the reason why I didn't upload it yet is I felt like I failed badly. And the problem was that the interview did not go the direction I wanted it to go. And so I got stuck and I didn't know what to ask Anthony next because I had a completely other plan in mind and I suppose that even if I conducted the interview in my mother tongue it would be very difficult so maybe I should not beat myself up because while I am not a trained interviewer and I'm trying to get better Anthony's answers were kind of not the answers that I expected not at all and I was really nervous mainly also because I have been a long-time listener to his great podcast called The Magnetic Memory Method Podcast. And so I thought I completely messed up. But on second thought, I think that it was not a failure at all because, after all, it should be always about the interviewee. So the focus is the interviewee, Anthony Mativier. And he gave such great answers and he is so knowledgeable and so in the end I think I could learn something from him and I shouldn't look it as a failure per se because in the end I'm pretty sure that you will learn something as well. I'm rambling a bit here but I must say a few more words before I show you the interview because I just listened to it and I must say It is really good, it is really good and I don't know, it has to do with my mindset because I definitely need to buy his future book, which he will mention, um, which is about Zen. I need to become more Zen. (laughs) I think I will cover the topic a positive mindset in one of my future episodes because this is really, really important, guys. But now, without any further ado, let's listen to the interview with Anthony Mativier.